This is Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matiash. We're back and we're doing this show hours away from Vegas and Five. <laughs> so that that's where you disconnect from dude i've been waiting a long time for that it's first very, of all very cheeky opening yeah yes, very cheeky you're back from florida i am uh you were at game four we'll get into all that in a second um lots to talk about pucks and seven ryan payton victoria Mattyash. follow us on twitter at ryan and payton at victoria Mattyash, and catch vic uh doing work great work as always on a major news talk channel in toronto and ESPN.com, and that was a nice tie-in, too, from your Florida trip, which you sent pictures of, which were fantastic. Anyway, it was really good. Uh, I do work Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, Channel 91, and uh, Kraken uh, writer for the hockey writers as well. We're going to get into some off-ice news. Hirings around the NHL, namely the Rangers, namely the Flames. We'll talk about the Sens. Finally, that sale is done. It took forever, but it is done. So that's next. But let's uh, begin with the Stanley Cup final. First of all, game four and the weekend that you were in Florida. So give me a, just a little bit of a synopsis of it, if you well, remember. It was wonderful. <laughs> I do. It was it was a whirlwind. We were only yeah. gone. My One of my partners, my writing partners at ESPN.com, Sean Allen, we've been working together for almost two decades. It's just amazing to think of it. And uh, we went down together. It was a whirlwind. We arrived on Friday. We came back on Sunday, but we still managed to jam in a lot, including the game on Saturday night in Sunrise. It was uh, it was something else. We were a little high up in the arena, but the sight lines were great. The views were great. I had myself my stool and my standing bar rail, which you will know <laughs> is, is my happy place, uh-huh. especially when the washroom is right there and the bar is right there. I'm, yep. I'm exactly where I need to be. You're right in the middle. It was. It was uh, an impressive... Fort Lauderdale was a lot of fun. We had some beach time. We ate too many tacos. We drank too many margaritas, but it was really, really great. Yeah. And the game itself was, um, I will tell you this, my biggest takeaway, and this is the first live game I've seen in Sunrise. I've watched the, the Lightning play live before down in Tampa, mm-hmm. but I have never been down in this area before. And the fan base absolutely impressed the heck out of me. Yeah. Everybody was super jazzed, were super pumped. There was tailgating outside. The fans are singing. They're chanting, go Panthers, go. It didn't matter if you were 94 or four years old, you were wearing something, either a jersey or a T-shirt, probably more than one item of clothing. The scarves were really popular. (laughs) Everybody Uh everybody was right into it. The mood was fantastic. And the next time I hear somebody talk about how these air, these non-traditional hockey markets don't get it, don't get into it. I'm going to tell them it's a big pile of horse poop because mm-hmm. I've seen it in a bunch of places already now. I yeah. know it's a playoff game and I know it's a little bit more exciting and it's not going down in the middle of January. I understand that. But yeah. at the same time, everybody was a hundred percent invested in this. They were enthusiastic and it seems that I have not seen and I'm going to make a big deal about this. I have attended live games in four of the six original six hockey markets. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been to Detroit, Chicago, Boston, and Toronto. Mm-hmm. And they have nothing to brag about. I'm no, sorry. You don't not to, compared. You don't have to apologize. Compared. So good apologize. on you, Sunrise. Good yeah. on you, South Florida. I understand that sports market in general, even when it comes to the Dolphins and the baseball team and the heat and the rest of it, is sometimes they're a little, they love their winners. I understand that. But that's a lot of markets. They brought it, and it was in a fantastic atmosphere. I had no horse in the race, really. I wanted a good hockey game. And I will say this. I was only disappointed 
not also because I want the series to go on longer. That's my own selfish view. But I really wanted Florida to come back, which they had a very good opportunity to do so in the dying seconds, tied yeah. up, go to overtime, just because I wanted those fans to enjoy it. Yeah. I just throughout all of this, I thought they deserved it. So well done, Florida. Thank you very much to the Panthers for hosting us. That was really lovely. And uh, it was a wonderful, I'm still recovering. It's Tuesday. <laughs> Woo, it, it was a good time. That's the sign of it. That's the sign of an extra good trip when you're yeah, two days back thinking I'm still recovering. I'm a little tired still. Still a little tired. Yeah. Completely on board with you. And for the Panthers, it's been different compared to Tampa Bay. Because Tampa Bay Lightning, they've won two of the last three cups and all this type of stuff. They've been successful more so than Florida. Uh not a lot of people show up for games over the course of the season in Sunrise, uh, in the 41 home games, all that stuff. But I'm with you. They've embraced this team. The NHL's embraced the team. Even if you're not a fan of the Panthers and say you don't like the Vegas Golden Knights, you're on board. You're on the Panther train. You are on board with Florida to see what they can do if they can pull off this big thing. And um, hopefully, and hopefully it continues, yeah. Ryan, because the whole all of Fort Lauderdale, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing no, a banner on a lamp. Yeah. There's banners on light posts. There's planes hauling flags across. There are taxis that are decaled up with the yeah. Panthers logo. Optically, everybody, it looks amazing. Everybody yeah. was right into it. So no, no matter what happens this series, no matter yeah. what, hopefully that this continues and they can you know ride the coattails from this success and everybody realizes hockey is really fun. It's really fun for this area because it's a state area, really. It's not one yeah. city. That yeah. can get behind this team because there's some great players and obviously they know what they're doing. So let's look at that going forward. The game itself obviously yeah. was uh, interesting just when they went down 3 nothing halfway through the second. You started to think, oh boy. And then, you know, getting a couple back, especially the Barkov goal late. And you thought they still had a shot, especially getting the power play late. And even the one opportunity, I think it was Sam Reinhart with the 10 seconds left. And then I can't even remember who had the shot with four seconds left with his force sling. It was just all a blur. And you thought, we're going to do it again. We're going to go to overtime. So that was a little bit taking the air out of the balloon. You yeah. did want it to happen. But it was still, it was a very entertaining hockey game. It was a very disciplined hockey game. Special teams played no part of this, really. No. And and two things with that. Number one, that's one of the things we talked about that the Panthers needed to do after the first couple games, especially stop taking stupid penalties. And Paul Maurice was adamant about it after we're turning the series into a physical one. We don't need to make it a physical one. Uh, Declare saying the same thing. Kachuk needed to stop doing what he was doing at the end of whatever and just focus in. By the way, we'll get to him in a second. So that's a massive story going into game five. Two things with that last stretch, the last flurry, if you will. Number one, when the puck was in the Florida, um, the Vegas zone mm. in the last 30, whatever it is, seconds. First name that came to mind was Matthew Kachuk, right? Obvious time winding down, seconds left, game about to be tied. Who's going to do it? Matthew Kachuk. Uh, Sam Bennett was at the side of the net. Kachuk had a shot. And if that did go in, I timed it out and I looked at it. It wouldn't have counted. No, it wouldn't. I don't there was exactly no time left on the clock. No done. time left. Yeah, it right. was done. But give the But here's the thing. Uh, to also your point about, you said discipline and then um, the power play. Man advantage. The Panthers are 0 for 13. 0 for 13 in the first four. I don't care what team you're playing, who you are, you're not going to win anything if you don't score. So going into game five, we'll get into that in a second, but that is a major, major thing for the Panthers. And I give credit to Vegas, Vic. They, they're shutting down the, the, the shootings, shooting lanes. They're clogging up the neutral zone. Their PK has been absolutely great. It's been disciplined as well. So as bad as the Panthers' power play has been, the PK by Vegas has been phenomenal. So one offsets the other, but 0 for 13 
I'm sorry, the fact you're down three to one, not surprised if you can't get a goal in the power play. Not only that, you've spoken to for weeks now, if not months, we have, but you've been really on this uh, about Vegas's depth. Yes. And one of my biggest takeaways, not only could you see it on the ice, but you just check the stats later to make sure that you know what you're talking about, or I know what I'm talking about in this particular instance. And Zach Whitecloud and yep. Nicholas Haig were on for all three goals. Yeah. Right? What? What? That's all you need to know. Right? That's all you need to know. I, they even contributed, both <laughs> of them contributed at least one assist. I yeah. actually think Haig had two, but again, they, they each contributed. But when your depth defenders, who have been fantastic all postseason, yep. but when your depth defenders are a plus three in a 3-2 win for you, and that's what's giving you the opportunity to play for a Stanley Cup a few nights later, I think that speaks very loudly to the depth on this team. And uh, it's fantastic for them, for Vegas. I still don't want them to win tonight, but I know. it's been fantastic for I know. them. I know. They played very well. The Panthers have not been terrible. They've had terrible stretches at times, and that's cost them. But at the end of it all, they're down 3-1. to one. So statistically, if you want to look at what a 3-1 deficit means in the Stanley Cup final, this will be the 38th time that it is going to be 3-1. to one. And the team that is on the top end of that 3-1 count, so tonight, for example, Vegas, they've won 20 of the previous 37 games. The losing team down 3-1, they've won 17, so it's very close. So that's close. pretty tight. That's very tight. But after that, yeah, it goes yeah, to 30. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, what? <laughs> Sorry, I'm like Vegas you, and what Vegas and you're going to give me you're going to yeah. give me the state the stats Thir for game five, but now you're going to give me the stats yeah. for the series, and 30, I imagine it's yeah. going to be a larger gap when we get to 30, that, right? 37 and one. Those that are up three to one go on to win 37 out of 38 right. times. Um, anyway, so here's what we do going in for game five. Let's move on to that. Uh, both head coaches, Cassidy in the right spot. Paul Maurice has calm, cool, and collected for the most part. He's had some blow-ups behind the bench, but that's part of his thing. But he's got to keep them calm. And really, the no-pressure thing, nothing really to lose, has been the mentality for the Panthers, and you got to kind of keep that according to Paul going into this one. Focus kind of in freedom almost mentally that comes to these games that, that we've got to capture. It's clearly defined for us uh, what happens with the results. So... The key message will be, you know, play the game, run your routes. We don't need more. It's usually a, um, a recipe for less. So simplicity in our game, and in that way, bring as much energy to that simplicity as you can. But he's right. They, they're they not expected to win now. Not so you all. might as well take advantage. You are going to be the looser team going into this game. Even though you're down 3-1, Vegas is going to be tighter. We've seen this, not just this postseason, but for years and years and years and years, because this is their first opportunity to win the cup. Yeah. It's difficult, right? Whereas Florida's like, well, we're not supposed to win squat now, so we can just go out there and play our game, feel loose, and just have some fun with it. And that's exactly what he's speaking to. And that is the mentality they're going to have to have. I think the biggest problem with this and I would feel much more optimistic about their chances in this particular game, except for injuries. Oh. This is a very, very yeah. hurt team. So we heard earlier today, Paul Maurice came out. So this is Tuesday. This was after the optional skate this morning. And I mean, there's a lot of players who didn't take part <laughs> in the optional skate. Mm -mm. It's June. I don't think you're taking part in any optional no. skates at this point if you're no. banged up. No. But and then when he was asked, is Matthew Kachuk going to be good to go? He said that he knows the answer to that question. He's not willing to share the answer to that question. Yep. But he did concede that if he plays, he's going to play. He's not going to be restricted with minutes and opportunities. So he's either good to go full bore or he's not. 
So that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, th- that that's huge. That is huge because Kachuk is right up there with Bobrovsky for the Conn Smythe if the Panthers win. I mean, give it to Bob, I think, going forward, especially now if they come back from uh, down 3-1. to one. But I was hearing rumblings today and yesterday that Kachuk's injury has to do with the sternum, and he may have some cracked ribs as well. Um, that hit he took also didn't help things either. So uh, the fact that he's going in, I don't know, 40, 50, 60%, I think that's okay, but he's a gamer. But that's a massive one uh, going in for this one. They got to do something in the power play. Vegas's depth has been phenomenal. Aiden Hill has come up with some really big saves. But Borowski tonight, Vic, He's been great all postseason, but he has to he has to have the best performance of his playoff life, I think, tonight, at least in 2023. Without he, question. Without if question. He need, if, if he has to steal the game, he has to steal the game. Then that's fine. But he and, needs to be as good as he can ever be tonight. And it's not only absolutely. I mean, is Brandon Montour healthy? No. No. He sat out as well. Radko Gudis is dealing with some Radko issues. Radko Gudis didn't take part in optional skate. And yep. I mean, he's been banged up for a few games now. I mean, you're talking about red ribs and sternums with Kachuk. And I wonder, I, I swear, I would swear on any any book around me that he also dislocated his shoulder at some point in time right. during right. the series. This, we're going to find out afterwards that this is busted, this is busted, this oh, yeah. is busted. We always this do. This is busted. And in the meanwhile, he's fighting through the pain. And you know he wants to be out there. They all do. And I, I don't like calling them warriors because it's just not, you're, playing, you're still playing a sport. It's still right. a game. But right. they're tough guys. They're tough guys and they're competitors. That's the term to use. They're competitors and they want to win. You know they all want to be out there. Anthony Duclair isn't feeling too hot. So it's yep. another thing to talk to speak to Vegas's depth with. Not only are they, you know, they seem, we're still going to find out a bunch of, uh, we're going to hear a bunch of injuries on that team as well going forward, but they seem to be the healthier squad now. And oh, yeah. I, think, I think that's also a good part of the battle. So we will, so what are your keys to the game for either side? Keys to the game for the Panthers, they need to stay within the game. They have to look at it like every minute. Just play within the minute. Don't look ahead. You've been down 3-1 to one before. You did it against Boston. You came back. A lot more at stake in this one, but nobody expected you to even win a game against the Boston Bruins. The power play needs to get, you need to get something. And if you can get one in the power play early by Aiden Hill, I think that's going to be big. If Vegas tonight gets a couple like they did last time, I don't think the Panthers are going to come back like they did before. And just the depth. I mean, look, Vegas is doing everything right. They're doing everything right. And one quick thing too, that you may not agree, you may agree, I don't know. Thought about this today. The Carolina series that the Panthers had, they swept them, right? Four straight games. I think that series took a ton out of the Panthers, and it was only four games. That took more out of Florida than Vegas' six-gamer against Dallas. I think that series just almost oh, did them in. Oh, you think they just laid it out all there? I just think those games, the overtime, the 4 OT, the close games, just the tightness of it, I really think that's had an effect on this so team. They got so much rest afterwards, though. I wonder about that. Yeah, I wonder. Anyway, those are my keys. What about you? They can't go down three nothing. How right. about that? That's a start. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. <laughs> they can't, and I'll I'll put it plainer than that. They can't dig themselves any type of hole. Right. They need to score first in this game. Yes. They need to score quickly, and it's it's going to be the same keys to the game as when we were talking ahead of game three to me. Yeah. Bobrovsky has to make a big save early. He has to make a save early and get his head into it. And and then you see him, he comes out more confidently. He plays yeah. his angles much better. Everything yeah. looks better once it he changes. makes that big it changes. save. It always does. I yeah. mean, it does for us beer league guys. Yeah. We do. If you play well to start, you feel better right off the get-go, right? Yeah. Um, on top of that, they have to play disciplined. If they don't score on the power play, they can't take penalties either. Right. But I would say score first, 
let them make a big save, and then just keep that rhythm going. But if you spot them two or three to start this game, I think it's going to be over very quickly. Uh, the owner, Bill Foley, said back in 2016, he said, playoffs in three years, a cup in six. Um, ah. he, he said, I'm impatient, and that's the way it goes. Commissioner Bettman, when Vegas was announced that they were becoming the 31st team at that time, Commissioner Bettman was outside of T-Mobile Arena, about 5,000 fans for Vegas was were there, and they booed him, of course, because everybody boos Commissioner Bettman. It's tradition. Yep. Tradition. And he, and he said, well... In six years, you could be booing me as well when I present the cup to you on home ice. Could be tonight. He's going to be insufferable to family friends and family members and friends <laughs> for the rest of his life because he up if, if it does happen, yeah. he absolutely nailed it. I already know what your prediction is. I'm going to ask you anyways. What do you think? Uh, Vegas wins tonight. I'm going to, I've stuck with five. I'm going to stick with five. Um, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say three to one. It'll be two to one, empty netter, seal the deal. Conspite? Where are you at? I have Jack Eichel, but if he scores tonight, maybe get a couple, I think it'll go to him. But Jonathan Marchessault is uh, probably the yeah. one who's going to take Vegas, home the Conspite. If Vegas comes away from, from it tonight, Jonathan Marchessault yeah. with all the timely Everyone goals. Everyone loves the goals. Yeah, they all love the, the goals. All the game time goals, the go-ahead goals, the first goals. Yeah. He is just, it's not only the goals he has scored, but especially in the second half of the postseason, the timeliness of them all. He's been incredibly clutch. So Jonathan Marchessault. In, 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 in Jack Eichel's defense, how many passes onto the stick of Marcheseau? Look at the goals that he scored. Beautiful. Anyway, I'm just saying, give it. I mean, carry on. And it's not sexy enough, Ryan. I know. My guy, I know. It's, my I know. guy is William Carlson. That's who I, I picked. And look I know. at how incredible he has played. Yeah. And he was instrumental in that last game as well. I'm just saying he's yeah. not going to win it, right? Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, the playmakers and the two-way forwards. Ah, bah. Not yeah. sexy enough. It's going to no. be Jonathan Marcheseau. If right. Vegas pulls it off, and unfortunately, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's going to be a little high, more high uh, scoring than that. I'm going yep. to say it's 4-2. I still think there's an empty netter at the end of it. So I think it's going to be 3-2 for a while, Vegas, and then they're going to get the empty netter. Unfortunately, and like I said last week, heading into game three, I want to be wrong. Uh, I want another game in this series, at least one more, but yep. I do believe that Vegas wraps it up. We shall see. Game time at 8 Eastern time, 5 local. It's going to be a zoo. It always is inside T-Mobile Arena. Uh, you talk about Florida, the crazy fan base there that you've seen. It's nuts. That's one I want to hit next year. I, I want to hit next okay. year for sure. Let, let's I want to go to Vegas. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about some hirings of coaches in and around the NHL. And finally, the Sens have been sold. Uh, for much more than they were bought by Eugene Melnick 20 years ago. <laughs> I'm going to just, just say that. Just a little bit. Just a shade. Bucks and Seven, Ryan Payne, Victoria Mattias. We'll be back. Welcome back to Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Mattias. is Ryan Payton and I am Victoria Mattyash and this is Pucks in 7. It's one of the last, I would say, episodes of the season. We are drawing to a close. We're not done yet. We're not no, done yet. But it, yeah, it is going to be the last Stanley Cup one. Yeah. Because no, not necessarily. No, 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 no it is. <laughs> do, do, do we have to replay what I said? On, that What I've been saying since the series began? No. Well, we still might want to do a wrap if there's some other coaches moving oh, yeah, in the no, next no, couple no. of days. Yeah, I'm but, just saying it's right. the last one. We'll talk about the series. Right. Okay. Anyway. 
Go ahead. So uh, we did we, we did talk about the series pretty much ad nauseum in the first break, uh, what yeah. we expect from the Panthers in Vegas tonight and my little trip to Florida. I want one last shout out on that. I actually sure. had the opportunity to swing by and watch the hot stove live and in action yep. at uh, the West End, which was really fun, rather fortuitous because they were nearby, which I hadn't realized. So I finally got to beat Dennis Bernstein and Dave Pagnota in person. I've talked I feel sorry for you. <laughs> They're wonderful, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful guys. And I've talked to them for several years now as a guest on their show and in yep. different formats. But I've seen them in person. The, uh, it was the first time to see them in person. That was a real treat. It was actually a highlight of my visit. So I wanted to mention that. But now let's move. We're moving away from Vegas and Florida. And now we're looking at some off ice movement. We'll start with the hiring. I think we were all expecting to drop the last two, yep. three weeks has finally dropped. The New York Rangers do indeed have a new head coach. And we're very familiar with him. This is his sixth team behind the bench as a mm -hmm. head coach, Peter Laviolette. And he's almost coached every team in the Metro, right? He's getting there. Oh, the right. Islanders, Carolina. Philadelphia, Carolina, Philadelphia. Washington. <laughs> no, I didn't even Washington. think about that. Yeah, the only team's the rain, uh, Nashville. That, that is. That's the only non-Metro team that he's, yeah. he's been a yeah. head coach of. Well, I mean, he's a, his resume so, is admirable yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is. It There's is. no questioning that. It, um, I mean, he won a cup with Carolina. I'm going to say it's 2006, right? I'm terrified. 2006. Right. Okay. It is 06. Yep. Yep. You I got know, it. I don't, you I don't trust it. my brain enough. And I, he's been to a couple of finals as well. And I remember the one with Nashville actually very, very distinctly. Yeah. It's uh, so it's, uh, but again, he's been around. Mm -hmm. So when we've been talking about some fresh faced 40 year olds getting into the league to, to yeah. run a hockey team, that is not what Peter Laviolette is. No. And uh, yeah. So let's just say that the turnstile is still in play in the NHL. It's not necessarily used by every team anymore, right. but it's, uh, it's not a, it's not a new face in a new place. It's an old face in a new place. Yeah. And there, there's not a ton of teams that are trying to help the environment by recycling, but there's a few teams that oh, are very nice. helping. Yeah. Very recycling. Nice. Here's the thing. It's about what have you done for me lately? Or what yeah. have you done for me today? Or even yesterday kind of thing. Gerard Glenn didn't do too badly with the Rangers, right? Eastern conference, uh, final, um, then, they were up 2 nothing against the Devils. Then they lost to New Jersey. Whatever. I don't blame him. But, oh, that wasn't good enough. So now we have to get in Peter Laviolette. And I think he's a great coach. The thing that I'm intrigued about is that a lot of the reports are saying, well, the Rangers need to tighten up defensively. They have to tighten up on the four check. They need to do this. They need to do that. And if you look at the, the roster that they have, most of it is coming back. Most of it's, and it's not a bad roster. It's really not a bad roster at all. No, they're really good, actually. Yeah. So it's not like Laviolette's going into a position, say, like Luke Richardson in Chicago. Okay, now we, we have a big hill to climb. No, you don't. You're pretty much at that hill. You got to get over, you know, the last kind of two, three, four, five kind of steps uh, to get over that. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a believer in kind of the youth and the youngsters and that type of thing with all the respect to La Violette, but the Rangers decided I to usually, go with him. And you know this, I yeah. am usually, I am with you on that 99% of the time. I'm almost willing to make an exception here only because of the veterans, especially up front with this team. He has to manage Panarin. Right. Right. Zabanejad. Right. Chris Kreider. They're all over 30, right? I know. I know. So if what you're going to launch in and that's, that's the makeup of your team up front. That's okay. That's not the makeup, but that's the engine that, that moves the car. But then if right? you want, if you launch somebody in who like, um, the one in Washington now, Canberra, is that, yeah. is that, yeah. If you march somebody in that's younger, it'll give these older guys a bit of a youth kick thing. 
I suppose there's two different ways of yeah. looking at it. I and, just I think the spotlight in New York is brighter than in yeah. just about every other market. Yeah. And to throw a fresh faced 40 year old in there who has zero head coaching yeah. experience in the NHL. Yeah, yeah I think there's I mean, the, the press the yeah. press is still a little bit different there. There's just an intensity that's very similar to Toronto and Montreal, I find. Yeah. And I think Washington is still one tier below that. So as just that example. So I don't think it's the worst idea. But uh, we will see. We will see how he fares. I mean, he's a bit of a hard-nosed guy. I don't think he's to the extreme in that respect, but he's certainly not known as a softy. So uh, we'll see how the veterans, especially I'm looking at Chris Kreider in particular yeah. and how they're going to respond. Because you've got, you got one of the best goaltenders in the league in Shostakovich. Yes. But yeah. he's not coaching Shostakovich. Like, no. he's not. There's He has his own people to do that. Yeah. And yeah. so it'll be interesting to, to see how he manages the defensive core and that veteran leadership up front as well. 752 wins in the regular season. He's been around a wow. while. He's 58. Uh, so what? 30, 48 away from uh, 800 for his career. Uh, no Daryl Sutter. So I didn't think I would say his name again, but I did. But this is a good thing. People who have heard me on this and even on other shows and things, I've just not been a fan of Daryl Sutter. He had to go a lot sooner than he did in Calgary. Anyway, Ryan Huska is now the bench boss in Calgary. And Craig Conroy, who is new, the new GM, took over for Brad Tree Living, who is now in Toronto, all that type of thing. Uh, here is what he had to say about Huska. What I was looking for in a coach, you know, I wanted a good communicator, a leader, someone that can inspire this group, play sound defensive hockey with structure. And then on the offensive side, I wanted, I wanted our guys to be creative and kind of take it to the next level offensively because they're so skilled nowadays, all the guys, you, you want to let them have that kind of free reign and, and go about doing what they do best. And hopefully that's scoring lots of goals. I like the hire. I do. He's been under three different head coaches in Calgary. He was recruited by Tree Living back in 20, I want to say 14, something like that, to join the AHL affiliate. And That's he basically, right, yeah. He, he, he basically, was in the minors first, yeah. Yeah, he said to him, look, if you guys go 0-72, it doesn't matter. Just develop those players and get them to the NHL. And now Vicky's a chance to see some of the players that he helped Develop. So this is sort of the anti-Peter Laviolette hire. He yes. is the fresh-faced four-year-old. Yes. Well done, Calgary. And uh, I like I like this tandem going forward too. I like the you know Craig Conroy is a rookie GM, and now you're going to have a rookie head coach. Yep. They both seem very player-focused in terms that they're pro player. They're more of a player's general manager. I don't even know if that really exists, but more of a player's coach for sure. I'm not suggesting that Huska is going to be a guy to hug it out and he's going to be soft around the edges or anything like that. It still sounds like he has his expectations and the rest of it, but it also sounds like he is going to be a little bit more amenable to letting his players be who they are instead of imposing his structure and his formula on them when it doesn't yes. necessarily fit. Which is exactly what Daryl Sutter did terribly. And the NHL he's not now... not that, though. I know. Daryl Sutter is not alone I know. in that. The NHL is about adapting to your players. And if you're a head coach, if you're, I think you said this to me a couple of weeks ago when we talked about Barry Trotz, right? Um, he's now in Nashville. You said something about what he was saying that Nashville needs to do completely 
went against his coaching style, right? It was all about this. So nope, now we have to be open and now we have to do that. You got to adapt to the players. You do. I know the players adapt to structure, but it's a player's game. It's not a coach's game anymore. It's a player's game. So well, um, I just want to see somebody who lets Jonathan Huberto play the way he wants to play. Exactly. Like after it's he quite was simple. allowed, it's quite he, simple. He was allowed to play his game in Florida and broke personal records and impressed us and got himself into every conversation about MVP going. And then that's on Sutter. That's on Sutter last year. I'm going to let you say all that aloud. You know, I agree with you. So, <laughs> but you're, you just, you feel it more than I do. But oh. just when John, and honestly, we didn't see Huberto even a, a shadow of himself until what? The last six weeks of the season? The when last he five was, weeks When of the he season? was moved to the right, to the when proper he was allowed wing. to play his game. Uh. So I just think the players are going to, they're going to appreciate this. They're going to, I mean, he's still, again, he doesn't sound like a big softy either, which is right. fine. Right. But he sounds like he's open-minded. I there did like one thing he says, and I'm going to paraphrase here. So my apologies to Ryan Husky if I get a little bit mm -hmm. this wrong. But after playing under three previous coaches, including Bill Peters and Derek yep. And he said that he learned from them, but he implied, and he said, oh, they're excellent coaches because you have to say that. It's more so in the NHL than any other league because it's the law. You have to say they're all excellent. So right. he said they were all excellent. But he also said, I learned different things from them. And my interpretation of that was, he's saying, I also learned of what not to do. Mm -hmm. And if he's taken the what not to do <laughs> from Daryl Sutter and Bill Peters in particular, then Good. I have some hope about how to, and it sounds like he's very open-minded as well. So this is his first appointment. I think you're always going to be a little bit more open-minded. So, but yeah. I feel very good. I same as just, you said when Craig Conroy said what he was looking for and we just heard it mm -hmm. and he's looking for and hiring a new coach. Now, I mean, that's a magic formula to winning the Stanley Cup if you get your team to do all of those things. Oh, yeah. possess the puck in the neutral zone, be staunch defensively, and then, you know, rip it up on offense and score lots of goals. That sounds like a pretty good formula to be too. That's, I'd like a coach who yeah. would encourage any team That'll to do work. that. That'll <laughs> work. work. But a I still like the fact that they were, they were talking about opening, allowing players to be more creatively, more creative rather on offense. And I think that's very important in today's NHL. It's on the players too. Good to have the new coach, but at the end of the day, it's the ones on the ice who make the difference or not. Uh, finally, this is done. Vic, the Sens, they've been sold. A group led by Toronto-based businessman Michael Anlauer. They reached an agreement in principle. It's uh, looking like it's about $950 million U.S., and we joked a little before we got into this. Um, back when Eugene Melnick bought the team in 2003, it was for $92 million. <sighs> So 20 years removed, it's gone to 950 US. And people think housing prices are going bananas. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good investment. So we do know that his two daughters, Olivia and Anna, are still going to own about 10%, which I kind of like. And I also I like too. the fact that one of the rules was whoever does buy them, the, the team has to stay in the market in Ottawa. Yeah. I like that rule as well. I I mean, I was rooting for the Snoop Dogg group. <laughs> Just, I think the, a I lot of people. The Nico I think a lot. Sparks group. But yeah. we're hearing now, especially I read the Ottawa Sun earlier, and, and it was reported that they were still scrambling for money late last week. Yeah. So you yeah. know that's not going to work yeah. out. There was the other group out of Pittsburgh, and it sounds like they were getting a little frustrated too. So, okay, hockey guy, billionaire. I think he made his money in healthcare services. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, he has money that I don't comprehend. I just don't understand what billions of dollars. I don't know. Oh, I don't either. I so don't either. It's, um, it, it, it boggles my brain a little bit, but good. It sounds like he's a hockey guy. It sounds like he's going to have some patience. So the only thing to watch for now is where the new arena gets built because yep. he's apparently amenable to building it at Le Breton Flats, mm -hmm. but he's also talking about having it downtown proper. I've been downtown Ottawa. 
it's a few kilometers wide. I have no idea where he thinks he's going to put this arena. And I still right. think the LeBreton Flats idea is probably a little bit better. But it will be interesting, which is, by the way, just a few kilometers outside of downtown Ottawa. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how where this facility lands finally. It's about almost 23 kilometers uh, from downtown to Canada. And so like 14, 15 miles, That's about 25 minute drive, something like that. Um, they need a new building. So yes, at least they do. Yes, this is a, this is a step do. in the right direction. Finally, it's been a long process. Um, so now they can get to work on the, on the real work. Uh, talk about recycling. That's what we talked about. Patrick Sharp used to play in the NHL. Now he's kind of back home, if you will, special advisor, uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers. And, um, I mean, I don't know. There's so many positions in the NHL and so many, so many titles that all these, men and women have, um, I sometimes wonder what, what is the point of having, having like, what does, if I was your special advisor, you're not, I'm not just your advisor. I'm your special advice. So what does that mean? What does that mean? It goes it through the that somebody within the organization wants to hire you and they're okay. going to give you a title. So you're a consultant or you're an advisor or I know, you're but something, something, but yes, it's fine. I have no problem with it. I have no. never heard one unpleasant thing about Patrick Sharp. Right. Who, who will always be a Blackhawk to me. I understand the history with Philadelphia, but he's a Blackhawk yeah. as, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. But it's still, you've, I've never heard uh, anything said about him in a negative way. Apparently he's going to work with the prospects and he's not that far removed from it playing in the NHL either. He's only 41. Right. So it wasn't that long ago that he was active. So I, he still probably remembers what it is like yeah. more so than other people do. So yeah, working with the kids, probably with the HL affiliate and other minor league organizations and just figure it out. It's fine. I'm happy for the guy. I liked him on yeah. television. I liked him on yeah. television as well, but I don't know what happened with that. But beyond that, sure. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. Congratulations, it, it, Mr. Sharp. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, and I was just joking with the amount of different titles right. that they have, but I'll give you know, Danny. It, it does. It does. Right? Get it just seems like, a lot. like yeah. I give Danny, Danny Breer a ton of credit, right? He was named officially the GM on May 11th. He's hired Keith Jones, Alan McCauley. Now he does, um, Patrick Sharp. So he's revamped and revamping the whole upper brass, I guess in Philly. He's so, bringing in his own people and that's yeah, what you want which to is see what you somebody do. do. Well, which is especially what you do. with what we saw with what happened yeah. recently with the Flyers, I think this is a good direction to take. So going from Patrick to Patrick. Oh, c'est bon. C'est très bon. Oh, oui, oui. The, um, <laughs> so uh, he, Patrick Roy, of course, yeah. he uh, resigned with his Memorial Cup winning Rampart just few hours ago it seems right now mm -hmm. was it wasn't mm -hmm. was just yesterday and then uh so and there's been so many rumors circulating now about does he want to get behind back behind a bench in the nhl and it just seemed like there was a lot where there's smoke there's fire with this right but when he was asked directly en français if you would his answer was absolument aucun is there any chance have you talked to anybody and that means nobody at all yeah so uh right now it doesn't sound like anything is imminent so then my, I would like to know why, <laughs> why did you, why was the resignation so important to happen immediately? Yeah. Maybe it's I, because he wants to start talking with teams. I'm supposing it's the opening the door to that. Possibly, but here's the thing. All 32 clubs have a coach right now. There's not one vacancy in the NHL. Laviolette was the last one to fill the vacancy. You know what's so funny? I keep on forgetting Anaheim hired somebody. It's, yeah. It's actually, they did. It was so, so quiet. So right. unless Vegas decides to fire Bruce Cassidy, which they're not, unless the Panthers decide to fire Paul, I'm sorry, there's no jobs. There's no jobs. So unless another team before October 
let's go. I think there's stuff that we don't know. Of course Patrick, there is. Patrick Waugh operates uh, by his own self. Um, he was successful when he was coaching in the league, and then he had a couple of back-to-back bad seasons, and then he was replaced by Jared Bednar. Remember the first game? Wasn't it the first game that he was he was on the plexiglass? Bruce Boudreaux. I'm pretty sure they were playing Minnesota. You have a good memory. Didn't he try? Something How I think it was the first game. He tried to get at Bruce. There was something happening on the ice. I could be wrong. I should have looked this up before, but I'm pretty sure I'm correct. No, your essence is right. You're right okay. about the spirit of it. I don't remember the exact game, whether it was first one or not, but he's a, he's a fiery guy. Yeah. I usually I usually say he's a funny duck. He's a fiery funny duck. So he's a fiery funny <laughs> yeah. canar, I should say. But anyway, he's a, he's a different he's a different dude for sure, but he's also enjoyed success in this game in so many different aspects. So Ryan, somebody's going to hire him as a special advisor. Oh, will you stop? <laughs> Will you? Yeah, guess who's calling? Patrick Sharp right now. Danny Briere. Right. Hey, can you be my special special yeah. um, advisor? Hey, but he I might, was. He might land somewhere in in some sort of interesting assistant to the president position. I don't think so. I think he's right. going to want to be the boss of something. But, I was. Uh, we'll see. I, I was correct. It was opening the 2013-14 season. It was against Anaheim. Bruce was coaching the Anaheim Ducks. And the Avalanche were trying to go at it in the the stanchion or whatever it is, and Rob was trying to push it over to Bruce. Quite a way to make a first impression, I guess. And anyway. ten out of ten, ten out of ten out of ten to you for that that memory. That's a yeah. good one. You you drew that one out deep. I did <laughs> from my brain. I did. <laughs> I do remember that though. It's yeah, quite something. I did. I did. All right, out of time. Enjoy game five tonight. Again, Vegas went away from hoisting the cup, and the Panthers need a win to force a sixth game, and hopefully for them beyond game time, eight Eastern time in Vegas. Um, catch us wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on the Sirius XM app. Follow us on Twitter at Ryan and Peyton at Victoria Matias. I'm half a Vic. I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. This has been Pucks in 7. Available on the Sirius XM app and wherever you get your podcasts.